Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. Ebooks, new ebooks are out this week. So two of them actually. So uh, we sent out an email to everybody yesterday night, and it turned out that our email campaign server at that very moment had a I don't know an API problem that caused all mm. links in all emails across their entire service to mm. not work, which was a little bit bad luck. But they yeah. work now, and they're in the show notes of the podcast. But um, what do you think about these two uh, ebooks? Well, I think it's going to be really convenient for people to understand our method a little bit more uh, when it comes to learning characters. So they're basically what the first one is char Chinese characters 101, which is I think three or four, four blog post series, and mm -hmm. we basically put it together, edited it made it made it look a lot nicer and just put it in a nice ebook form It's like, hey, you know nothing about Chinese characters or you want to learn a little bit more check out this book. So we've got like, you know, the history of Chinese characters, how they developed, what are they in terms of their equivalent to English yeah. and other languages, it's just general intro introduction. And we've also then put our hands and moving method blog series, which I think is uh, seven parts, uh, eight parts. Yeah. yeah, but I put seven parts of it into one nice ebook again, nicely edited all in order. Now this one, I thought, you know, we have a a subscription service, uh, very reasonable price, you know, $15 a month if you pay six months at, at a time. Um, but for those of you out, people out there that, you know, maybe can't afford that, but still want to learn characters, we thought, mm -hmm. we'll put this together, just the characters part, obviously the actual subscription, the, the course that we have includes everything from, you know, characters, it includes words, vocabulary, how to learn grammar, everything that, uh, that will get you to fluency and literacy in Chinese. But just the character aspect, uh, we thought we'd just put this book out there so people can read the book and go off and learn characters on their own if they wanted to. Um, now, and, and of course, for people that are already on our course and are learning uh, characters on our course, it's got pretty much all of the little hints and tips that we give throughout mm -hmm. all the 300 videos that are in there. But right. it's all condensed into one sort of uh, easily tankal. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can just it, reference it very easily quickly. referenced um, mm -hmm. document, so you can just go, okay, I, I, I'm having trouble learning this character. I, I can't be bothered to rewatch that video or find where Luke said that thing. It's all there, all the tips you need to learn characters and make your movie scenes a little bit more memorable. Right. As well. Yeah. So you know, I think you could think of uh, the Chinese characters. One is just <clears throat> what the heck are those things? Because they're not exactly a letter of the alphabet. They're not exactly a word. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. So that's why you need to know some of that stuff. And mm -hmm. then the Hansa movie method, if you understand the theory behind it, it gets you excited about it. And then yeah. you can, and also, I mean, you can do the first 80 lessons of uh, our course for free, even if you can't afford the, um, the regular course. So if you read the free book and you do the first 80 lessons, you'll at least know for sure, okay, this is the method for how to learn a Chinese character. So check those out, links below in the show notes, and you can sign up for those. So and of course, the, the video curriculum version is a, you know, it's a step by step visual guide. So it's actually going to be a lot easier. But this is just for the real autodidacts that mm -hmm. don't want to listen to anyone They just want to go and learn it themselves. It's kind of like what we did in the beginning. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, you could say that that's kind of how we try to approach everything is even the beginning of our course, uh, mm. the Mandarin Blueprint Method, we're still saying the first part of the course will give you a lot of direction. But then after that, we're really just giving you, uh, you know, some some basic steps and then you go <laughs> off on your own. We're still big advocates for self-study. Yeah. So We're all about yeah. teaching you how to learn as opposed to directly teaching you. That's more of a what we're about. So. Mm. 
All right. So from now on uh, in these podcasts, when we get to customer service questions, we're going to start the podcast talking about the props and the actors that were suggested each week. Now, this is the last time that I'm going to explain what these are, <laughs> because I recognize that for older listeners of the podcast, it gets annoying to hear the same thing over and over. But of course, we have to be respectful to new listeners of the podcast, because every time we have a new podcast, there are new listeners. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, there in the show notes is a link to a blog post that explains what these sections are all about. And so from now on, we'll just say, hey, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to the blog post below. So I just wanted to let you know that. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about props, which are basically the uh, 3D objects that represent a Chinese character component in our visualization system. Uh, So we'll get into that first, then we'll get into actors, and then we'll move on to other relevant questions. So if you want to just skip this part, go ahead in the show notes and you can link to that part of the podcast. So first, uh, we have from Chad on the pick a prop for Zhou which the character itself means to walk. So he wants to come up with an object to represent this idea of to walk. And I love his choice here. He went with a Philippe Petit. I don't know if I'm saying that right with French pronunciation, but he was the famous tightrope walker featured in the documentary Man on Wire, where mm-hmm. he walked between the two World Trade Center bi- buildings in the um, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing documentary. I don't know if you've yeah, seen it. Yeah, that guy's hilarious. He's just like pulling funny faces throughout the whole thing and like sneaking around. And yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, so. uh, got a lot of personality, that dude. So that's, uh, so he actually, again, they don't, you said 3D objects, but remember, they don't have to be just 3D objects. These can be people, they can be animals. Mm. Um, I think that's about it. What, there's, yeah, I mean, uh, people, pe- uh, animals, 3D people objects. People always surprise us with different ways of uh, coming up with these props. But as long as they're something you can pick up and, touch and interact with and they there's a solid object of some kind exactly so, and I mean, uh, so yeah i guess we shouldn't really refer to a person as a 3d object but uh really what the only thing you have to think about with a if you pick a person for a prop is just make sure it's not a contradiction with one of your actors but mm. you'll know you'll know so yeah, it's no problem definitely uh the next one's ryan smith on character 151 more which uh is female m- mother sorry um uh and so pick a prop for that so prop suggestion similar to Mother Teresa, Mother Superior, played by Maggie Smith in Sister Act. <laughs> Brilliant. That's great. That's great. I watched great. that movie way too much as oh, a kid. Yeah, yeah. I actually watched uh, watched that a lot too. The Sister Act 2 particularly because they had Lauren Hill was like the main. Is that one of those that's like going to be really cheesy and, and rubbish if I rewatched it as an adult? Let's I feel just like remember it, would it be, well. Yeah, I remember, remember it being the, the, the coolest thing ever. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to ruin that. Like, well, she had a great. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, Lauren Hill has a great voice. So there's, you, there's always that. Uh, by the way, the reason that you said that Mu uh, is females because if you're referring to oh. animals, because right. it was just like I could tell it was like, oh, you just saw saw Mu and you thought like Muko or something like that, which would mean a female mm. uh, dog. Uh, there's other words for that in English, but the um, that's why really it means mother. But in animals, you'll yeah. say mu and gong to refer to yeah. male and female, as opposed to um, you know nu yeah, and yeah. man. Absolutely, yeah. You go up to a, you, you, you got someone's dog or cat. You go gong the mu. That you're like, well, what is it? A man, a, a man, a, a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. You know, do not do that for humans, mm-hmm. please. Um, <laughs> so right. another one from Chad here, character 132, bu as in no or not. Uh, this one, he went with Dalton, Patrick Swayze's character in the movie Roadhouse. Oh, he's like a bouncer in that. Where oh, he played right. a bouncer. Yeah, yeah. So sure. he's like, no, get out. Oh, no, your behavior is bad. And uh, he's, yeah. Yeah, I love that too because there's so much feeling around it for sure. Roundhouse. Like, you know, oh, I wanted to get in. You know? <laughs> no, you're denied. Yeah, sure. Yeah, very good. So he went for, um, oh, by the way, you know, he went for the meaning, but you could just, you could base it off of the, 
uh, appearance if you wanted to as well. Mm. Um, so Jay Anderson on character 22. So the next one. Yeah, so this is uh, the, the, he's picking a prop for the character that means elder brother or older brother. So he says, we already have mouth and human legs or kid. Why a mm. different prop when they appear together? Is it just to limit props in the future? Mm. Yes. 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 Definitely. Um, but I see the next character is Doi, which is the same thing, but with just horns on the top. Uh, so it seems like that could be horns, mouth, legs, as easy as horns plus elder brother. Mm -hmm. And I've one fewer prop to remember. And with my increasingly good memory, so that's not really a problem. Okay, so he's, but get this, you go one more character beyond this, and you get to Shuo. So now you have megaphone, horns, mouth, human legs. Do you see how it starts to get a little bit tenuous? It starts yeah. to be like, oh, I can't, because our human... Um, short-term memory mm. only has so many like compartments is the way you could think of it mm. so it's like you know the smartest people in the world the people with the highest iq can have can hold like 12 disparate things in their short-term memory i'm pretty sure is what i read about that and so that means that if they got sent a 12 digit code on their cell phone to open up you know like i don't know uh, their their um shipping box or to answer a um verification code <laughs> there's no struggles i'm thinking all the chinese words for this the verification code well they could remember all 12 digits right there um i'm not that smart i can, I can barely remember eight so like it's like if you chunk things together mm. then you can remember things much more easily that's why we do phone numbers in like you know 362-5497 or something like that right mm -hmm. so that's why you have them chunked and that's why it's the exact same theory here which is that if you chunk things together and say, okay, this is mouth and uh, human legs, but let's make it instead of mouth and human legs, just elder brother. Then the next thing after the next character, which means uh, it kind of looks like a little devil, you make that a devil, then all of a sudden with Shuo, you only have two props to remember as opposed to four. And it gets even crazier if you didn't do this uh, yes. as you go further on. That's one key aspect of it, very important. Mm. Another key aspect that I think uh, Jay, yeah, Jay might have been thinking was that hey, I'm 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 spending this time creating a prop, and I'm just using it in one character, and then I'm creating another prop out of that, and I'm using it just one. It seems so inefficient. Remember, this is why I was just looking something up on the phone because mm. I had to just check something there. Because uh, learning human legs is going to be used independently as a prop in many other characters, so it's worth learning that, right? Uh -huh. Cole as well, uh -huh. but Xiong, like older brother, like the Cole and the legs together. That will yeah. be used in many other characters as just that prop, just that older brother prop. So for I've just had to look up a few because I'm not that good. You know, I have to, I have to, I have to <laughs> check. So for example, you know, Dung as in political party. Yeah. Um, you know, Quang, Qing Quang the Quang, and um, Zhu as in to pray um, mm -hmm. or to wish someone. So, and then yeah. of course, Dui will be used in other things apart from Shuo, like Yue uh, as in happiness or Shui. Right, mm -hmm. as in for tax. Yeah, exactly. So these are, these props, especially the earlier the ones earlier on, with very few exceptions, will be used in at least a handful, like several different characters. Um, moving on, so it's always, and we we take that into account when we uh, create a pick a prop lesson. We we don't create a pick a prop lesson unless it's going to be worthwhile to do. Now, there's yeah. sometimes there's a reason why we do it, which is particular to one character because on the edges of Chinese characters, there are some that are really important, but they don't have a lot of other uh, 
They don't have a like lot of not. other, yeah, 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 for example. Yeah, so the point being that when that happens and you, you run into a character that's very rare, but still, at least the components are rare, but it's still really important, then occasionally we'll say, okay, learn this prop, and you're pretty much only going to use it for this character and maybe one other. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, especially at the early stage, you can count on the fact that if you see us saying pick a prop, it's going to be used many times in the future, even if it's not used many times right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, cool. Great question. All right, next we also have from Jay uh, in two a few characters previous for pick a prop for R, which was that uh, legs thing we were talking about. He says, Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. So many super superpowers to play with in future stories. So Jack-Jack, was he the one with... Um, he's, little, he's the baby, yeah. The baby, so why, right. did he, why would he choose a baby for R? Well, R is... It means... It's, Ardza, right? mm. son or child. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. as a pick a prop, we suggest choose some sort of child, but um, choose one that is it jumps out. I believe we suggest, do we suggest child or son? I can't remember. Uh, I think it's child because really this, this what about yeah, that's really more the male indication because you know it's Ards and then you have Nyar. So R the, is the common character amongst Boy oh, and girl, Art, so, of course. You know, yeah, so yeah. I would that say that Art, sense. yeah, probably was child. Yeah, so Jack, Jack. Uh, so I chose, for example, uh, Haley Joel Osment from Sixth Sense. Mm. Um, Classic. Because he kid. just jumps out, or some people choose Macaulay Culkin. Mm. Jay went for Jack, Jack from The Incredibles, and Great and choice. yeah, and a, a cool thing about that, like he says in the, in the next, is so many superpowers to play with. So you can choose people um, for their personalities that jump out in certain scenes, but sometimes uh, it's cool to choose people for what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, cool. So now we'll switch over to actors. Only two this week. But again, if you don't know what we're talking about, the blog post is in the uh, show notes below. So first we have from Chad. This is for the actor, which will be a fictional actor for T.U. Hmm. Uh, so he went with Tiger Wong. Nicholas, I guess this is a, a Cantonese way of... Um, Te. Te. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nicholas... Tez character in the movie Dragon Tiger Gate. So haven't seen that movie, but as usual, Chad usually, well, these are both from Chad. They're both his like martial arts uh, actors that he finds from uh, watching Chinese movies. And that does make it easier because of course their names are the same as you yeah. know what you'll have in the actual Mandarin pronunciation. So Yeah, and they're gonna, again, they can do some cool stuff. Yeah, and um, the other one was uh, Zhou Xun from, I don't know, what uh, Wang Longzhen's character in the series Day and Night. So I haven't seen any of these movies, but, you know, absolutely, that's, that's all good. Mm -hmm. All right. Next, we have an email from Sydney, which I named the podcast after because it, it got me thinking about how translation should be involved in your Chinese study because uh, that's an important question. How much English translation translation should you use? You know, obviously we have keywords for the characters that we learn that are English and we have a translation of the definitions of vocabulary words, but like at what point does it become counterproductive? And so uh, he has asked us a few questions this week. And first of all, uh, Sydney, you gave us a few um, suggestions that were genuine mistakes that you know I just made because I was uh, just being a little bit too careless running through the translations. Um, I remember when I was writing them, I was kind of like, translating is not really all that fun of an activity. So I was just kind of like, all right, next, next, next. But um, so yeah, the, the, anytime you catch a mistake like that, absolutely. But there's this sort of thing where when I was translating, I did not translate directly necessarily. I tried to translate as what it actually means in because you know you can't always translate chinese and english uh directly so let's talk about his email and then we'll we'll go uh, from there so he says i can't see anything about being quote unquote over 
two meters long in this sentence, 它有两米长, which is like an object because you use 它 for it, and it's saying has two meters long would be the direct translation, but we don't say speak like that in English, right? We don't say it has two meters long. You know, it's, uh, it's not how we would say it. We don't use yo in that way. So it is correct to say it's two meters, but it's also because it's saying it has two meters, you know, theoretically, if it's a little bit over two meters, you know, mm. it's not under two meters. Let's put it that way. You can't have two meters if it's under two meters, but you could have two meters and be a little bit over. Now, you talked to Nana about this, your your girlfriend, and she yeah. said, yeah, it means I'll two meters. In, but in all things being equal, we probably should have went for it is two meters long. But I can imagine it being in certain contexts definitely could be over. So it's like, you do that your your chama Ah, yo. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like it has two meters, but it could be two meters ten, or it could be, two, you know, it's like, right, right. But so we should have gone for the more likely translation, mm -hmm, probably. Mm -hmm. but so yeah, it so, can be both. It can be both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says it is confusing when the translation does not accurately reflect reflect what is written. I get that. Okay, yeah. I can understand. I, I, used, I remember being very frustrated by stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do get that, and we'll talk about that in a second. So the next one, he says. Uh, so this is a really clever sentence written by Annie. And actually, we should have given a little bit of a direction here. So the sentence is the same thing happens in. Uh, listen to how I say this. 我的小狗长大了，还长长了。So oh, look at the yeah. sentence below, and you'll see right, that right. The, the second half of this sentence is the same two characters, but with two different pronunciations. So 长 means to grow up, and the second, the, both of these words, we have 长大, which means to grow up from being a little dog, to a big dog or a kid growing up to be an adult. What it is is saying it's growing with the result of being uh, big, da. And then the second one is zhang chang. So that's hai, but the, the growing. Important, the important thing is to see here is hai zhang chang la. This hai is also, it means also. Right. It's also growing longer. Oh, right. oh sorry, it has also grown longer. That's the right. It's like a change, right? And this is so cool of a sentence because I originally thought it was uh, chang chang was the second bit, but I realized, nah, it can't be because yeah. the l at the end doesn't make sense with chang chang. If it were chang chang, it would be d, because you can with adjectives, with single sure. character Hai adjectives, chang, you yeah. can say, oh, ta gao gao de, because yeah, Luke's yeah, quite yeah. tall. So you can say, ta gao gao de, or um, uh, hong this, hong de. Yeah, 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 it could be any, any. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the, we, uh, hands up, we should have def definitely, like, Phil didn't spot that, first of all. He, it's a he great sentence. It. But uh, <laughs> again, it, it, we should have also, it, despite the fact that you've learned the, the Zhang or Chang character, we should have put the pinion in there so you can see what Annie had done there. And the translation is technically wrong. So yeah. thank you, Sydney, for pointing that out because that's actually a really cool sentence that's going to waste because we got the wrong translation. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that's really important about that, though, is that it actually, one of the reasons that this came up is because Chang, this character, is one of the few characters in our order uh, that has a very high frequency second pronunciation. So usually there's about 20% of all characters that have a second pronunciation, but a small percentage of those are are also high frequency. So you might have a, a character that's uh, said one way, but its second pronunciation is like HSK 6 level. You know, sure. So it's not really yeah. necessary to learn early on. This is not the case with mm -hmm. Chang. The second pronunciation, Chang, means to grow, essentially. So grow is obviously an important mm -hmm. thing. You can Chang 
which means grow uh, beard, right? So it's like you yeah. can jang tofa, which means think, grow hair. Uh, so yeah, it's a very so. high frequency second pronunciation. Mm. And Annie did a great job of showing how you could use them even together in the same word. So that's yeah. cool. I've never you know, tong, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, I think that we we should definitely have a look at that a bit deeper for the course mm -hmm. in general, because one of the things that we don't want to have to uh, make the users of the course do is to say, because this is not necessary, we didn't need to do it. Um, and we didn't have us to guide us through, which mm. was, oh, this, this, like, ju you've just learned the character Chang, but it also has a different pronunciation. Let's go back into your memory palace and create a new movie oh, for right, the same right, character. Right. We don't bother doing that because the whole point of the movie method is to build a foundational knowledge and then you, you learn other pronunciations through context. Right. But I think that we should at least maybe think about uh, pointing it out more clearly, like, uh, Doyen's, like, uh, yeah. uh yeah, we, can, yeah. we can, we'll definitely think about that. In the future, I think. Well, so what's kind of cool about this too is that since they happen to have the same final, these two uh, pronunciations, it, mm. you could imagine that you're standing in the like you have Charlie Chaplin in the kitchen of. For me, uh, Ang was the second apartment I lived or third apartment I lived in in Beijing, mm. and so I could imagine that Charlie Chaplin's in the kitchen there, and then. Uh, George Clooney is in the bedroom there. And so George Clooney maybe is uh, originally, he's quite small and he grows up and then uh, maybe Charlie Chaplin uh, extends his neck outside of the kitchen to have a really long neck to look at George Clooney growing up or something. And you could have a, uh, a, because they happen to take place in the same set, a scene that's kind of mixed together like that. I, but I actually did, I was going to say, that you've just reminded me, I used to do something very similar, but more, more uh, action-packed. I used to basically have... I, I, I don't remember which characters I did this for because I stopped doing it after a while because so few of them, like you say, mm -hmm. had were both relevant, both mm -hmm. pronunciations. So yeah. it wasn't an issue. But I started doing it like this. I'd have, just take yours for example, Charlie Chaplin. I would have then Charlie Chaplin jump through a wall and then he would land into the other set mm -hmm. or, or the, the same set or whatever, but it, it, or that other room and he would smash through the wall and then they would do another scene. Yeah. You know, yeah. with the other actor. So like Charlie Chaplin and George Clooney sort of doing it together. Something like that, like where it's more connect, connected through like more visual intensity. Mm. But I, I I did that for a while and I was just like, this is not worth it because I don't, I don't have a problem. Like yeah. the, you know, I don't have yeah. a problem re remembering it. Yeah, the, the further the, away they are in frequency, the less it matters to do. But when they happen to be quite close, and I mean, it also happens in character number five of the course, gan and gan, ah. which are one means dry, very high frequency, and you know how to say dry, and gan means to like, it's not the, the only way to say do, but it's uh, it's do for like things like work, especially, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, you know, and also you could say, uh, which just means like, what are you up to? That's and so it's a really common. important yeah. character in both cases, but it doesn't happen that much. Now, mm -hmm. continuing, he said, uh, I know I must sound really pedantic, but when you're trying so hard to learn slash acquire a language, these uh, scare quotes paraphrase type translations make things more difficult. There are a number of them uh, I have experienced in Anki. Please don't see this as anything more than a comment, which I hope is helpful. I still think Mandarin Blueprint is the best course available. Thank you, as ever. Sydney. Now, this is what I got thinking about here. The point that Sydney's making here, I understand. And it was actually something that I considered quite a bit when I was thinking about, should I write these translations directly or should I write what they really mean? And so I decided to go with the second for this reason. Uh, if you imagine that 
you have meaning. So like if you're, there's a sentence or a word or a, a, a character that has meaning, there's an, a code or something you could think of that expresses that meaning. One code is called English and one code is called Chinese, but it's almost like a triangle, right? The most efficient way to get to acquiring a new code, a new language, is to go directly from the meaning to the code, if possible. So if I can, this is really easy to do with nouns. So if I can, if you go around your house and you put Chinese with a post-it note on the various things that are, uh, you know, like a, I put on here, or microphone, and I know, okay, that's a microphone, it's automatic visualization, right? Because you're looking at it, you can get the connection between the visual sense and the word right from there. So it's direct, which is nice. Um, but with words, a translation is usually, it's helpful. It's like a cheat sheet. It's like mm. kind of a quick little, oh yeah, I already know that. But once you start to get to sentences, Chinese does not directly translate to English well a lot. It's just like, doesn't really, mm. if you were to say, it has two meters long. It's like, that's not what we would say. Um, so you have to adjust it. And then when you adjust it, then you also want to take into consideration, well, what does it actually mean? Like, is it, what context would you use this? Is there so some other thing? So personal interpretations, and that's, yeah, that's obviously really room for differences there of opinion right. and stuff. So, But mm. we encourage you to stop relying on translations as soon as possible, which we start doing in level 25, by the way. We mm. stop giving you an English translation because at that point you've seen enough Chinese sentences that uh, it's like, well, you don't have to rely on it. So the reason we think about think about it like, give the meaning, not the direct translation, is because that's what language acquisition is about. It's just about look at this thing and understand what it means. As soon as you understand what it means, it falls into the realm of an understandable message. Every understandable message contributes to your language acquisition. That's sort of the Stephen Krashen linguist way of thinking about it. So uh, that was what I was going for with that. And I know that it's sacrificing to some degree that um, sense of security, I guess, you can get from the translation. It's like, oh, well, maybe I don't totally understand the sentence, but I can look at the English and totally get it. And then sometimes if the English doesn't map on perfectly, it can be like, oh, well, is this confusing me more? So what I would encourage you to do, Sydney, is when you see that, see if you can just understand it in the way that the Chinese code looks at the meaning directly. You know, they look at this thing is two meters. You know, what would that possibly mean? Mm. If you didn't have the English translation, could you still figure out what it means? And yeah. that's the, what I would suggest for that. And I would also just like to add on to that, that a lot of the way we're, although we're completely, we completely believe in the research that backs all this stuff up and it's heavily cited and, and we've, we've used it ourselves to acquire Chinese very quickly and enjoyably. A lot of the way we're executing this course, you know, it's, it's us, it's best guess based on the research and our mm. own experience. So like, for example, how exactly we execute what Phil's saying or when, like whether it's level 25 is appropriate to start doing certain things or level 30. We're just, a lot of the stuff we're, we're trying out and it's not perfect. So we'd like you to continue, you know, if you have an issue understanding certain points, if you find yourself confused at any point, we, we still want everyone to let us know, uh, you know, because there might be the fact that we, mm -hmm. we have got a little translation mistake or, uh, yeah. Or maybe we 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 shouldn't introduce this certain way of doing things yet. Maybe it should be a couple of levels down the line, or mm -hmm. maybe it's in, it should be in a slightly different way. So yeah, this course is a in in some ways it's quite experimental, and that's why it's groundbreaking. I think you know yeah, it's yeah. it's also <laughs> it's also very helpful. But it's uh so it it's there's still room for change, you know. So uh, please let us know about your your own experiences with 
uh, like 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 Sydney, for example, mm. especially when we develop from different phases onto other phases. So, for example, from words to sentences to phrases to opinions to dialogues to stories. Like, if you if you're noticing um, a huge jump in difficulty, you know, it's, it's kind of like game testing. You mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm I like to play computer games probably a little bit too much, but there's there's a huge part of game development which is testing, where they literally just have people play for hours and hours and hours and yeah. give feedback based on all the different aspects of the game. And yeah. this is a game in itself, and this this course. So there's still room for improvement, and uh, I'm sure. So please yeah, you know, just yeah. get in touch. Absolutely, and those, mm. yeah, uh, that's a really particular, we can get even specific with that question. For those mm. of you on level 25, it's either mm. that it's level 25, we stop giving translations, or that's the last level where you have translations, but you'll see. Um, and if you reach that point and you go, oh my gosh, the fact that there's no translations now is making this really hard, please let us know because um, we it's not like we couldn't just add them in. It's not a big deal. It's yeah. just that we, want, I, we made a conscious decision to say, okay, they've seen about over a thousand sentences at this point. Mm. They should be able to kind of have a sense of what things yeah. mean. And it might be, but, but I will say this though, go through at least one full level yeah. before you come to that conclusion because it might be that the jump in difficulty at first feels hard, but then mm. when you realize, oh, I stopped relying, uh, maybe I was relying too much on the English translation because after doing another, say, 40 sentences, mm. you kind of have it down. So yeah. uh, that would be, and I, but I completely agree with Luke. I mean, 25 was kind of, to some degree, I was like, well, they've done about feels a thousand, right, they've done about a thousand cents, seems like this should be the right time to do yeah. it, but but you know, part, of the, like, part of the reason why sorry. we made this course is because we find that native teachers or even non-native people with other products out there, they don't. there's a lot of things they don't get or they've forgotten about what it's like to actually learn Chinese and the struggles that we face, right? Mm. So what this course is, is trying to fix that and, and trying to get in the minds of you learning Chinese and trying to figure what would, what would you want uh, based on our own experiences. But it's kind of a catch twenty two in a way because we're we're now advanced learners. We have been for a while, mm -hmm. so we still we even though we're I think we're better than most at doing putting our mind into your putting our, ourselves into your shoes. Sure. We're still not perfect at it because you know we're not beginners anymore. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be uh, I, I perfect be, being able to do that. So yeah. let let us know uh, if you've got any any struggles. Cool. And we'll we'll very likely you know address them and make tweaks and stuff like that. Awesome. So this next question comes from Yarden uh, on character number 162, Tai, which is the new vocabulary unlocked lesson, which is Tai Tai, which means wife. And uh, his question is, is it also used in daily life or just in books? And the answer to this, and I know why he's asking this, because there's a couple other words for wife that people will use. The most mm. spoken one is Lao Po. Uh, that's very spoken. You won't see that one in speech in, or in, in written form unless it's a dialogue between characters in a fiction or something like that. By the way, it doesn't mean old woman. Lao <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Lao is like Lao Shi or, or um, Lao Wai. It's like Lao is like a just a it's actually a term of respect in a way. Right. Um, depending on your tone of voice. Um, so poor just means woman. It's just a word for woman and Lao. It's just basically just my woman. Yeah, you know, my respected woman, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, uh, that's a prefix version. So I'll mm -hmm. link to that uh, below. Yeah. And uh, oh, by the, yeah, by the way, we also had a we had a um, I'll link to the vocabulary um, uh, article that relates to why there would ever be a word Zhang Da or Zhang Chang. Uh, but I'll do that. Uh, that was from Sydney's email. Now, Yarden, when he asked this, 
uh, the, the, so there's Laopuo, which is the very spoken way. There's Tizi, which is kind of, I would say, sort of in between. And then you have Tai Tai, which is the most formal, but it's still used in day-to-day -day life. Absolutely. Um, it's just, again, it's what situations are formal and what are not. I would know? say Tai Tai is more, most commonly used as saying just Mrs. So Mrs. Smith would be mm -hmm. Smith Tai Tai, mm -hmm. you know, or uh, Mr. would be Smith Xianshe. You know, it's just Tai Tai and Xianshe. And, sort of and yeah. but, but I've, I've heard people say, you know, what a Xianshe, my husband, mm -hmm. uh, as well mm -hmm. as yeah. uh, what, a, what, a, what a Zhangfu or what a, what a Laogong. You know, there's, there's, they're all sort of interchangeable in a way. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, Yo Lao Shi always used to say what a Tai Tai. Right, now, right. he's a teacher at a university, but he did use it to always say Tai Tai. And, you know, <laughs> so it's like it is the most formal. But again, the red line you want to draw between spoken and written Chinese is more that spoken can't be used in written less than written can't be used in spoken. So if you see something that's, quote unquote, written Chinese, you know, there's some parts of it that are exclusively used in written, but it's pretty rare that it's like, no, you can't say this in, in life. Just be aware that if it's written, it's always going to come off more formal. And mm. yeah, in the case of wife or husband, I mean, they're just such common words. I feel like it's just variety to some degree. Yeah. People just want to not say the same word all the time. So, but just for yeah. simplicity, go for lao po or lao gong when you're mm. speaking. Mm. Yeah, just uh, as if you're picking one to go for. Yeah, uh, We've got an email here from uh, Chad. Uh, quick question for Bukuo. It says that that is spoken. Uh, the spoken but now can dan shi also be used <laughs> in spoken form again this is similar yeah. uh, i'm fairly certain i heard dan shi used for but in the new show i'm watching uh yeah. i think i replied to this I've, I've answered this question a couple of times in the past actually yeah well um, first of all it's the same answer we just gave to yarden uh you'll use in speech if you at any time uh but you won't use it in writing if you're writing formally you won't use buguo in writing but uh, there also is a little bit of a difference in meaning. So you're, you're going to say? Yeah, so I mean, uh, dan shi is, is actually, and you can sort of uh, use this to use the two fourth tones to remember like dan shi. It's a bit more um, unexpected or it's a bit more, um, what would you say, exaggerated in its meaning. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so I imagine like Colombo coming in, but just one more thing. Let's be like dan shi na, you know, this more, it's more sort of strong there. Bugo is sort of like in the middle of, yeah, uh, in the, the middle of something. The way I remember, the way I remember Bugo being a little bit less, because the, the, there is a slight difference in meaning, which is more to do with the tone of the words, and that that's that. You know, Bugo is like maybe uh, you're using Bugo if you want to you want to be nicer, I guess. So like maybe for example, you're in a situation where mm -hmm. you're um, uh, giving somebody some slightly negative news, but you're going to tell them like why you're going to fix it. So it's like. You know, uh, I, I can't make dinner right now, but I'll make it in, ah, you know, yeah. 15 minutes. Like, it's kind of like, more positive. it's more positive, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, dan shi is not necessarily negative, but it's like more likely to be used in a negative context. Yeah. And so, then, of course, you've got shi as well. But that's mm -hmm. sort of more soft, like buguo, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would agree. But yeah, that's the two main differences. There are a few more differences between these, but uh, we don't need to go into that right now. Just for spoken, that'll do. Yeah. Uh, the next one here is from William Edmedes, um, or Edmedes. I'm not sure. If I'm saying that right. Uh, hi guys, just a quick question regarding memory palaces. Uh, would it be a good idea to increase the intensity of the memory palace as the meaning of the word intensifies? For mm -hmm. example, the memory palace for hate be more intense than the, the the memory palace for dislike. I think that will naturally happen yeah. based on the keyword definition, right? So, uh, I mean, you're, especially when it comes to more abstract words like hate or need, 
mm-hmm. or want. You know, so oh, like, that's a good example, right? So how do you differentiate between need and want? Well, would that be intensity or would that be the acting skills, like the the the, imp- the expressions on the face of the person, mm-hmm. uh, the actor doing yeah. it? So. Yeah. Uh, what I immediately came to mind when I read this email, because, mm. I mean, you know, when you think of the memory palace as it uh, applies to our method, it's mostly the sets, right? So I imagined, you know, for example, the Chinese word for hate is hun. So that would be in the EN set. Mm. And uh, for me, that was my second apartment in Beijing. So if I'm imagining myself entering the bathroom because it's fourth tone, I can kind of like say, okay, what do I associate with hatred and how could that be, uh, how can I make the room look more like that? And I just kind of come naturally come into a more like hellish sort of uh, despair uh, type of situation. So maybe the bathroom hasn't been cleaned for like years and it's just whatever. This is sort of there's a darkness to it. And then, of course, you still have to have your actor and the props interact. But that's a good way to set the scene. You know, you mm. will set the scene that way, and it's more likely to be memorable. So, because the memory champions who are the best, they always say that the, the most memorable mnemonics are really more emotional than they are visual. I mean, it's like the visual is obviously an element, but if you can get the emotion across, then it's, you know, just quicker into your long-term mm. memory comparatively. And that would be naturally, that would just be so natural to you. So when I think of the word dislike, I think of... Um, someone trying to concentrate and a child sort of running around being naughty and then just like, oh, you know, but when I think of hate, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I mean, it's obvious to everyone, right? You, yeah. you think of the word hate, I think of screaming in someone's face, you know, mm-hmm. um, much more, much more intense naturally. So for, for this, I'd say don't worry about trying to make it in less or more intense intentionally. Just think about what the word means. How does it manifest itself? Mm-hmm and you'll naturally, the scenes will naturally write themselves. Yeah, yeah, just know like what restrictions there are and what there aren't. Like don't add new foreign objects into the room because that might confuse you with props, but if you want to change the air of the room, the aura, the, the background music that's playing, like any of that stuff, go for it. But let, as Luke says, let your mind naturally manifest that stuff. Okay. Uh, this one, uh, Abigail on character 45, as in to transform the make a movie. Why is the stroke order different for uh, qi, that's number seven here, that's basically the, looks like the right side component of hua uh, than it was in the previous character. So I, I answered this actually, um, the stroke order is the same as in the order you write the strokes, you still write the horizontal stroke first or the sort of you know, bent stroke or whatever, uh, but the strokes just are different in this case um, and it's something to do with how they're written. Um, so you still with hua, for example, you still do the horizontal stroke work, but it's like pier. It's good. Well, from your point of view, it goes like that down. Mm-hmm. Whereas for T number seven, you do the upward sort of slanting horizontal stroke first. Left or right. So yeah. both the horizontals, are, but they're just different strokes in, in themselves. And it's whenever that happens, it might be confusing, but it's it's always to do with how to make the character write smoother. So with hua, you just one, you know, it, it's it, it flows easier when you write. Mm, yeah, um, exactly. that's why they do that um, next one here Julian Laffey on character 274 so making really good progress Wan as in to finish make a movie as if Chinese <laughs> as if Chinese isn't hard enough so many homophones yes that is that is the reason why the Hanza movie method is the best because it just sorts that all out right because you've got the actor and the set in the room of the set you know exactly what the pronunciation is and then you use the you know props and everything to make the meaning but uh this is the biggest problem with using 
characters as a language with so few symbols, uh, syllables, I mean, uh, is that it's just so, so easy to get confused from an auditory perspective. You could, if you just listen to people, it's like, oh my gosh, how many times do they say one? And actually this particular one, so uh, one means to finish. If you say uh, one, l, that means that you have finished something. And it also means to die because, you know, it's like, okay, well, one, you know, it's like, okay, I'm done. Or he, he died. So it's like a kind of tactful way to say died. You can even so, say, so, war, one, <laughs> yeah, right, right. So that's why war is the one verb that allows for that ar hua. And it's very common. Most, even in the South, they often say war. And it's because they don't want to say, um, you know, um, then mean play because yeah. they'll be like, oh, maybe do you want to go out and die? die? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I was, I'm just kidding. Yeah. People do say that, but it's just yeah. uh, this is what uh, we'd actually found this out somewhere. We'd heard about this. Um, this. That's the only verb that has the R on it. But yeah, might be wrong. Might be wrong. But uh, I think I would I, imagine that's probably what it is. But yeah, I mm. guess we, that's, it is a little bit of speculation. But yeah. still, yeah, that's I mean. That is an issue, but the Hansa movie method does completely solve that problem. Yeah, and we said this, uh, I believe, last last episode about developing your vocabulary. These homophones will not become an issue once yeah. you start to de really develop. So once you really isn't an issue, yeah. Anyway. No, yeah. After you, especially after you finish these thousand words in the course at the moment, um, yeah. we'll soon be expanding it. But uh, once you finish the thousand words, I think that's enough of a foundation to start really not having those issues anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one from William uh, on compound final wei u e i for dui 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 or dui bu qi. That's from the pronunciation mastery uh, mm. course. As a retail worker, I like I like to talk some Mandarin to my Chinese customers. Would it be acceptable to use dui bu qi when I knock something over, or if I get some product info wrong, or should I be using bao qian instead? Now I, I actually answered this as well because I remember because I've actually worked in retail mm -hmm. and. I, you know, I guess it depends, but but is fine. Um is also fine, but doibuchi is I guess is stronger. Mm -hmm. Um is sort of like, oh you're trying to get past someone in the street or whatever. I don't know. But uh is is very formal. Um and it can be used definitely. Like but I, I've I've heard it used a lot in say hotels. When I've stayed in a hotels, um they say oh, you know, to say sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh or in, in in writing and by by a text or something like that. But uh, and so you can use both dubuqi and baotian and bohai. You can do all, all three if you want um, in your work environment. But I always find that dubuqi um, would be like uh, more personable, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. less formal. So it depends on what sort of retail store you work at. But I remember I, I used to talk to my people, like my customers, like you know, like I would talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, it's more natural that way, so yeah, yeah. would have been my choice. But don't worry about that sort of stuff, really. I mean, you got Chinese customers; they're going to be amazing at speaking Chinese anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And uh, you know, I always like to think about with uh, what is the structure of that word? Well, it's just like in the uh, prefix, which is lao uh, po. Uh, we talked about earlier. Well, there's also an infix called well uh, with or bu, and so it's basically you could say uh, and that would mean that you've done, you basically, it's like, is like, I haven't done right by you. Well, literally basically. it means like, I, I can't do you, I can't face you. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, like this this ending is basically saying, I can't do the pre the thing that I said, so I can't face you. So you can, mm. that sounds very dramatic in itself, doesn't it? Mm. Whereas is more like, oh, bad meaning. I'm a little bit embarrassed about that, mm. but as opposed to, I can't face you. 
know. Yeah, yeah, and you can actually say "我对不起你," uh, which would mean so like you just add it into a sentence "我对不起你." It's not exactly saying sorry. That's saying. It's kind of like saying I didn't do right by you, right? Right. right and right. so you know uh, that's the the format there is that you theoretically you could say I've never heard anybody say "对不起," but theoretically you could putting the infix in means I did face you to successfully, but you "对不起," or I can't face you successfully, "对不起," right? But it just kind of translates to sorry in the end mm. of the day mm. uh, if you say it by itself. All right, this it's, is a cool one. Yeah. I never thought about this. It's, uh, so it's again by um, William on uh, compound final A for Jager, Nega, and Nega for the um, pronunciation mastery again. Could the reason for J to be colloquial, because you can, you can say Jager or you can say Jager, uh, mm. and they're the same meaning, but generally J or Ne or Ne is, is the, the spoken, the more colloquial way. Is, it, is that because it sounds like a mashup of J and E? Uh, it would make sense uh, considering that the Y in E is silent and it can only be used when counting as well. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know, but it's it would make sense to me because I mean, you can you could you can say uh, whatever you know. So you can put that is something you could say grammatically, and so I wonder, you know, maybe there's there's a character um, bung, which is a uh, combination of. Bu and yong, so bu yong bung, and actually the actual yeah, yeah, <laughs> character yeah. itself is bu on top and yong on the bottom, and so like it, it that type of thing happens. So it's not unprecedented. I don't know the answer, like if it's true, but I would not be surprised. Do you know if that's true? <laughs> no idea. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, next one, uh, Genesis Devil Santos on Annie Laoshi reviews simple finals O and U again. Mm. Uh, lots of pronunciation mastery uh, comments this week. For the last part, why is it in second tone? Even her pronunciation, I think, might be missing some rules or meaning. Mm, mm. Yeah, so this is just uh, the tone sandy rule for because, uh, and we won't go into it in total detail here, but I've linked to it already in the yeah. show notes for this episode. But essentially, uh, whenever comes before another fourth tone, it switches to second tone to make it flow a bit better. Mm. And it really flows with uh, because it's a vowel into another vowel, and it just there's not really a space between them. It's not really like yeah. it's just yeah. right? tone sandy is very uh, some very basic rules that you need to need to grasp, and we go into it in a lot of detail in the, the now free pronunciation mastery course. So check yeah. it out. Yeah, and check out that article to get right to that specific point. Okay. Next, we have a question from Jeffrey Herzog from Facebook, and. Uh, he said he's referring to an Anki card within the course, and he listened to the two voices and how it seems like they're a little bit different. And so uh, the, the picture of this card is in the show notes. It says, on this card, the male says g higher than the first ma in mama. And the female says g lower than the first ma in mama. So I was wondering if it was just a regional or gender thing or how I should pronounce it. Um, as uh, <laughs> how I should pronounce it as a tikka mama, right? So, Luke, this sounds like your specialty. <laughs> Whoa, this sounds like um, it's a very detailed question. It is indeed. I mean, I'd have to listen to the audio. Can I? Is there any way? I, don't uh, know what I mean, I guess we could try that. That's just a picture. So, um, I guess we could uh, pull up the the card. But just the thing is, though, I think right off the bat, my first thought about this is that when you have two Chinese people who are um, 
saying these things slightly differently, you're reaching a level of detail in the pronunciation that is, I don't think, worth focusing on too much. You just, yeah, like you saying that exactly. Because I, I was, I was, uh, we watched a video just before the podcast. And there was some some English, some British guy saying Mandarin, and I was like, why do people say Mandarin? It's Mandarin. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But I might be wrong, right? It's just the way I say it. So I don't know. I think getting to that level is uh, possibly a little bit, as much as I admire it, it's a little bit too much analysis. Uh, perhaps, yeah. I mean. And also fifth tone really, I mean, again, I don't even like to call it fifth tone because mm. it's it's variable. It's not, like the other tones are fairly consistent, you know, with the exception of third tone is sometimes longer and then it's sometimes small. But like, generally speaking, they're pretty consistent. The the fifth tone, it's so variable that it's if there's a difference in how two people say it, it's like it could even be at the level of personality. You know what I mean? It could just sure. be like, oh, this guy is an outgoing person, and so he tends to articulate certain sounds, you know, in a tone of voice that's more because tone. We don't, we think of Chinese tones as being specific, but that doesn't mean that tone of voice is not a thing. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. tone of voice kind of at the level of the sentence, right? Yeah. Uh, again, good ear. You must have a good ear, so that means you're probably going to do fine. <laughs> so, yeah, don't worry about that sort of level. Because, I mean, I'm just saying to be fair to to be fair to you though. I'm just saying don't worry about it because I I can't answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the main thing though is that with fifth tone, just just mimic Chinese people, really. And, yeah, and yeah also, they're going to be right. I mean, even yeah. if yeah, they, they're going to be right. So. Here's what you should take from that. Actually, this is what you should take from that. You can do both because they're both Chinese native speakers and they're both trying to speak proper Mandarin, right? So, like, the fact that they both came up with different uh, pronunciations means that you can do both, right? So, you think of it like that. All right. All right. Nice one. So, we've got a couple of uh, make a movie, so basically movie scenes to finish off uh, this list of comments here. So, as always, we've got Chad here with uh, another, well, I assume it's going to be a, a really good one. So, the location... The set is his old trailer in the backyard because it's a fourth tone. Uh, Billy Zane is the actor as he appeared in the movie Sniper. And props Chuck Norris as in the male component because he's a man. And Razorblade and Ho as in the object, not mm. the person. Okay. <laughs> so Billy Zane has arrived at my trailer looking for a reported sniper in the area. He said he needs to search the area but is unfamiliar with the forest and needs a way to find his way back. My neighbor, Chuck Norris, hearing all the ruckus, comes out with his razor blade as he is still shaving. We tell him the situation and suddenly he extends his neck while still shaving and does a quick search of the area to make sure it's safe. He then digs a hole with the garden hoe, places the hoe in the ground with the handle sticking up and attaches a homing beacon to it. He tells Billy Zane that he can track the signal using his phone to know where we are located at so he can meet back up with his extraction team. Okay. Wowzers. Yeah, because Zai is a, you know, Zai, sorry, is a, you know, to be located or located. Uh -huh. it's, a, it's a tough one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so using a homing beacon it, mm -hmm. and, and, and sort of MacGyver, I, I, I use the word, I've never actually seen the, the show MacGyver. I'm just, I, I use the MacGyver as a verb because I watch The Simpsons a lot. They used to refer to it. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, like basically using these objects in a, in an, in a creative way, these props. Yeah. Uh, I, I love like the that. GPS, you know, homing device. It's very related to location. You know, it's going to have to, like, I mean, GPS is like, I mean, not that he, he doesn't actually say GPS in here, but it's that general idea. It's like a homing device gets to that specific point. 
and then it's going to use satellite imagery or whatever to find exactly where that is that's a perfect association i think and uh i should know. say to you guys as well you do not need to make it this elaborate if you're getting intimidated by listening to chad's scenes <laughs> you're like wow this is I, I can't think of something like that don't worry the the most simple like i could i could i could break this down into a much simpler s scene it'd be just as effective you know mm. um chuck norris okay so chuck norris uh he wants to find something doesn't even doesn't even know what it is but it, it doesn't matter he's just he, he needs to find something but he can't figure out where it's located mm -hmm. so he, he, he takes a razor blade attaches it to a hole and it becomes like one of those uh, div water diviners and he uses that little contraption and he, and he finds it yeah, yeah done sure. you know as long as you if you if you, if you, you can you, you don't have to again be as much as i love chad's scenes you don't have to be that elaborate you can just be like use your we always say acting skills don't we we mm -hmm. say like use use um gestures and facial expressions and, mm -hmm. and really bad acting actually exaggerated yeah. movements and stuff like that to show the meaning just as easily so cool cool yeah. all right fine we'll end with ryan smith uh and so he's got this is the character shu which means um to to recognize or uh knowledge. to to with knowledge in this case yeah, yeah. so um he says mm. is the make a movie for that so the kitchen of his childhood home so that's because shu doesn't really have a final it's just it's not shao or shan it's just shu by itself mm -hmm. second tones kitchen childhood home sean connery is the actor so that's because sh sounds like sean and then the props are a megaphone which is the left side component that means speech Megaphones related to speech and Obi Wan Kenobi because he's the only hope of uh, Princess Leia in A New Hope, and nice. so that's I love it. It's a perfect thing because that's the right side component means only. All right, in this scene, Sean Connery is acting less like a real Sean Connery and more as the SNL celebrity Jeopardy portrayal. Yeah, I've seen that. It's pretty funny. No, it uh, it's, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Um, it was always when Will Ferrell was playing Alex Alex Trebek. Um, all right, okay. so. Obi-Wan comes into the ki kitchen, hood up and acting mysterious. Okay, I can imagine that. He starts to tell Sean Connery that he plans to share some of the secret knowledge of the Jedi when Connery interrupts him to shout hi through a megaphone, <laughs> which is exactly how that particular SNL <laughs> Sean Connery would act. Annoyed, Obi-Wan tries to continue, but his overly mystical dialogue keeps getting interrupted by Sean Connery playing with the megaphone. Eventually, Obi-Wan just gets too pissed off and says, forget this, just use this for your secret knowledge and throws a phone with the Wikipedia app open on the kitchen counter. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, he added the Wikipedia thing in there. I mean, you're probably gonna, you, a lot of people would just forget the Wikipedia page thing, but the idea of a, the phone is the source of knowledge, right? That's, yeah, yeah. that's awesome, right? Just, oh, smartphone, just use a smartphone. Oh, yeah. just go for the modern version. And just in case you thought that it was some other use of a smartphone, I'll put Wikipedia on the front page. Yeah, and just so in I case, get, I like that. Oh, that's great, that's great. By the way, um, so, you know, we have these these uh, two scenes, one from Chad and one from Ryan. And these two guys have given us so much great feedback and shared a lot of stories. So, uh, mm. Ryan, if you're watching this, we would love to do a case study with you like we did with Chad in Podcast 13. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get in touch. Contact at mandarinblueprint.com, which actually reminds me, this is a bit of a... Uh, news we have two new email addresses to get in touch with us um so th if you have a question about anything really you can send your message to contact at at mandarinblueprint.com contact at mandarinblueprint.com and if you have a question specific to the podcast you can send that to um 
podcast at mandarinblueprint.com. So please do that. And we'll, we'll, you know, before we had a support email, but it was now it's contact or podcast at mandarinblueprint.com. Mm. Did you want to add this one in here too? Just quickly. I can't help it. Sorry, guys. But I just wanted to add this lot because we just got this from William. Uh, we read a couple of his stories or uh, props or whatever today. So uh, he just sent us this lovely comment. I just want to read it. Um, hey, guys, two exclamation marks. Um, oh man, you guys rock. Another two exclamation marks. Hmm. <laughs> I'm so glad I found you on Reddit. Uh, you have literally changed the way I think about Chinese and I can't thank you enough, smiley face. Hmm. You can so tell how much time and effort you put into this course and it shows. You guys are so also so inspirational and motivated and are just good people as well as as well, who produce gold standard content. I'm recommending this course to anyone who wants to learn Chinese. Everything is immaculate. Well, I mean, there were a few hiccups with spelling errors along the way and your <laughs> watermark logo covering up the text on the screen. Uh, other, other than that, 12 out of 10 rating from me. Keep up the good work. So thanks very much for that. Well, that's William. great. I and mean, we got something good out of posting on Reddit. Hey. It wasn't all pain and suffering. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's awesome. Well, <laughs> Uh, so as per usual, guys, we got two free new eBooks out. Uh, you know, one thing we never ask for, but would be really helpful is rating the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you find, uh, podcasts, sending in your questions to podcast at mandarinbloomer.com. We've got a, a blog that we update two or three times a week. Um, we have a lot of stuff. We have, um, of course the free trials of the course, which are always in the show notes right at the top and pronunciation um, mastery for free. Mm, Check yes. it out. Uh, as always, still nobody has taken up us up on this offer, but if you want to take a little video of yourself trying to say something in Chinese at any level, including just one syllable, if you want to say, am I saying this syllable correctly and send us that, we'll correct it or tell you you're getting it right. A word, a sentence, or a full story in phase four and phase five of the course. We would love that. That would be great to, to get an analysis of that and give you some uh, pointers on how you can pronounce things a little bit better and you know sound more native. So please send those in to contact at mandarinblueprint.com if you'd like. So thanks very much, and uh, we'll see you. Anything else you want to say this week? No, I'm all good. Thanks, guys. See all you right. soon. See you soon.